Hi, Open Life. This is Jaden, and I'm recording the podcast right now for February 10th, 2013, and this is in our Strap series talking about financial health in a spend-all world. And unfortunately, uh, we had a little bit of a recording malfunction in the service, and so I'm just in my house right now recording the podcast, talking about the notes from this Sunday's message. And so we're talking about generosity. That's the main thing we want to hit on with this uh, series of Strapped. And so generos- something Thad said in his message last week was, generosity means that our lifestyle doesn't determine our giving, but giving determines our lifestyle. He was saying that if you're going to be generous, then you're going to be generous with whatever you have, with everything. But if you're going to live tight-fisted with all that you've been given, then you're going to find that opportunities to give never seem to come up for you. So today, we're specifically talking about the spiritual discipline of tithing. What is it, how it functions at Open Life, and why we should tithe today? The truth of the matter is, the Bible talks a lot about money and generosity. But it also talks about a lot about the hope of Christ, about eternal life through Jesus. And what we forgot a lot is that life is temporary, but life with Christ is everlasting and eternal. Yes, if people make unwise financial choices, they may regret it for years, maybe even their whole life. But honestly, if you never make the choice to follow Christ, to follow Jesus, you'll regret it for eternity. You can never go back on that decision not to follow Jesus. And this truly is what open life is in the business of. We're not here for your money. Our mission is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And this is why we exist. We believe that all people in Bonnie Lake and across this world have got to know about Jesus. We want to lead people to him. We want people to grow closer to him. This is not about money. It's about life. It's about eternal life. Yet somehow, some way. It's easy to get distracted by the money. You need it for a number of things in your life. I need it for things in my life. And open life needs it so that we can function in a number of crucial ways. The most crucial part in all of this today is that we would take a posture of humbleness when it comes to our finances. That we would let scripture guide and dictate our attitudes and actions and not let society dictate those things. Society tells us to spend and pay later. Well, we spent, and now we are paying for it in our economy. But God has different ideas about how we store up and spend our treasure. Today is about the crucial area of tithing. So with unclenched fists, let's look at tithing today and hear stories of fruit and faithfulness, not of failure and foreclosure. In the Old Testament, before the time of Jesus uh, was sent to earth by God, God spoke to the people of Israel. He tells them a number of rituals and ceremonies they need to perform in order to properly worship him and be in a right relationship with him. One of these commands comes from Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 29. And in it, he says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place you you will choose as a dwelling for his name. So you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant, and you've been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe, because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver, and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. 
And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store in your towns, so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied. And so the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. These commands for the tithe were a way of God telling his people to be thankful for what they have been given by him, and to also help others who are disadvantaged in their time. Yearly they would take a tenth of everything they earned to the Levites or the priests of that time to celebrate with each other for what they had. As hundreds of years went by, the people of Israel began to forget the commands of God and they began to disobey the guidelines he set in place for his chosen people. This obviously angered God because the people he had chosen to be set apart were not following him. So he often used a prophet to speak to his people. So we read in the book of Malachi that God is angry and he tells them flat out, among other things, You've been stealing from me, and how you're doing this, you may ask, by keeping your tithes from me. They had been keeping a tenth of their flocks and fields that they were supposed to be setting aside for God, for themselves, and using it for their own gain. So we pick it up in Malachi three ten through 12 This is what God says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You see, God is speaking this through the prophet Malachi to people who had turned from God and who had become loose in fulfilling his commands which he gave to his people. What the people didn't realize was that if they would just give their tithes to God, he was there waiting to bless them with abundance. He even said to test him. Usually teachers or people you know, in authority of us, aren't the ones who get tested. But God is just asking these people to let him prove himself to them in this area. From there, we move on to the New Testament. Jesus comes as a gift of God, not just to, to save his chosen people, but to save all of us, you and me. He lives a perfect life, eventually suffers a cruel death, then is raised to life so that we can find peace with God through him. The problem is that ties are hardly mentioned in the New Testament after this time of Jesus. But Jesus did mention it a couple times. He said it, he looked at it in Matthew 23, 23 through 24. And he says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain at a gnat but swallow a camel. The Pharisees were, you see, the Pharisees were religious people whose only objective, objective was to live their life in a way that was judgmental of others by acting more spiritual than everyone else. Jesus is telling them, yes, you tithe your money, you tithe your, the things that you've earned, but you show no mercy to your neighbor and you care not an ounce for those who can't take care, take care of themselves. He's saying you should have both tithed and dealt with the matters of the heart at the same time. Which leads to the first point I wanted to talk about is that tithing is more about your heart than your income. You see, we at Open Life are not here today to have you sign your name on a dotted line ensuring that we get 10% of your income for the rest of your life. 
There's no membership that comes from tithing. In fact, you're not even saved by giving a tenth of your income. Salvation cannot be purchased. Salvation is a, is a, is a decision of you to follow Jesus. That is what open life is a, about 100%, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We are not here to get your money, but we do want you to grow closer to Jesus. And one of the ways that scripture continually points to, and one of the ways that all of the pastors and families of open life can stand witness to, is that one of the markers of a growing relationship with Jesus is generosity. Open life is generous, and we desire that the love of Jesus will cause you to be generous as well. God is generous. He gave us this earth. He gives us our breath. He gives us salvation through Jesus. He gives us daily blessings, food, shelter, family. All of these good things are God's, and all good things come from Him. The only response to God for His generous generosity is to be generous ourselves. Mark 12, 41-44 says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So my question for you is, do you think God cares how much you give in an offering on Sunday or online on our website? He cares about the heart. He cares about where your heart is at when you give. The widow gave all she had to live on. When you give, think about it this way. You're essentially giving God back what he has already given to you. It was God's first. Does he really need your gift? This is an important question here. Is it more important that God receives your tithe or that you go through the process and decision of giving that tithe? Last week in Thad's message, he talked about people who are tight-fisted with their finances. That is not the posture to have when we're giving. God desires people who are palms up, willing to say, I have, so I give. Tight-fisted people are prideful enough to think that God needs their money so much that when they do decide to finally give, they feel like God is taking it from them. When you put all your trust in your wealth and your money, you lose sight of the one who gives it, which is God. He is not taking it from you, but in fact, you're offering it up to him. Listen to these verses, 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19 Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of life that is truly life. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, we've talked about the Old Testament practices of tithing, and we have the strong teachings of Jesus to give from within the heart, in a more of a holistic way, out of your whole life, and from Paul to give generously with joy in your heart. You see, Jesus didn't abolish the action of tithing in the Old Testament. In, if anything, he expanded it to a greater attitude of generosity. 
The first step to get to that attitude of generosity is through tithing. Over and over in the New Testament, you read of people willing to give of their possessions and wealth for others, for their church, for their neighbors. From the attitude of generosity, God blesses that with the knowledge of what life truly is. He blesses that with more and more people coming to find him. With palms up, we need to give. You start by giving. My story of tithing started when I was 16. My parents had a Jeep Wrangler, and I really wanted to drive it. I just I just got my license, but my parents realized that I needed a little bit more responsibility in my life. So they told me I, started, I needed to start paying some of my own bills. And so in order to do that, I had to start making some money. So I went out and searched for my first job, and so I got it. Uh, minimum wage at the time was seven sixty five, and I just really felt I got a steal when I found out my job was going to pay $8 an hour. And so I started working for a company, and it was pretty glamorous uh, because I just started cleaning offices, bathrooms, sweeping, and mopping. I was basically a janitor. And so, you know, it was a very um, posh position. I, it was really great, you know. But my first paycheck, that first, after two weeks, for 20 hours of work, I worked 10 hours a week, but it was $160. And, you know, anytime you get a new job, you know what your first check is going to be. And I was so excited to finally have made something for myself. But I was shocked to find out that I actually didn't get that full $160. You know, I looked at the check stub, and what did I see? I saw a line for Medicare. And I thought to myself, wait, I'm not old. And then there's the line for L&I. I I don't even know what that stands for. What is that? And then I look again. Social Security? I have to give money for that? Again, I'm not old. So I had just under $160. Then I remembered about tithing. I remembered filling out my first giving envelope that Sunday with $16 of cash. And it was a cool feeling to give back to God. You know, that's just what my family did. That's what I felt like I needed to do. You know, that was my youth pastor at the time. And people like him had shared their experience about the blessings of God and in their giving and about his faithfulness of when they maybe felt tight or strapped because of it. But then God just completely blessed them, maybe with, you know, a blessing at work or maybe just a random experience where God just totally blessed them for their giving. And I, I felt like I needed to be a part of that. And so at the time of my life, $16, 10% of my two-week income, you know, that equals a movie, popcorn, and maybe a drink. You know, not a huge sacrifice, but enough at the time for me to re- to feel it. Well, by the end of the school year, I kind of tallied up what I'd given over that those nine months of being in school and working after school, just that little bit of time. And I realized I'd given the church $250. And I remember thinking to myself, how did my giving get to be that big? And so as my life went on, this became the norm. Each paycheck was another opportunity for me to give to God. 10% always came off the top first, and as I made more and more, I ended up giving more and more. Ten years later, I make way more money than I did then, but I also give way more money than I did then. Each paycheck is still an intentional choice of me to give money to God. And then at the end of each year, it's a reminder of how much I've given when I see that I've given a certain amount to, to open life, which is my church. But then also, as I see how much I've made, how much I've given to God, I also have to look back and think, wow, God, you've been so faithful. I could have never given that much money on a whim in a lump sum, 
But through diligent, intentional, and joyful giving of my tithe, God turned a 16-year-old giver into an adult who gives continually and who has found ways to give generously. And so I want you to think about something right now. Let's just make it really simple. I did this in the service, so it's going to be a little tricky to do it over the podcast. Um, But imagine with me if I actually got paid in fruit and vegetables. We're going to look at five days together and see how practical tithing is. And so to make that math easy, let's just say my payment for Monday's work was 10 bananas. The Old Testament principle of tithing are that I would give one banana to God. And so as we're talking about this, I kind of want to talk about how Open Life views its finances and how we give. Open Life practices what we preach in this aspect very much. If we expect people who call Open Life their church to tithe 10% of their income to God, then we do the same. That is why we designate 10% of every dollar that comes into Open Life as tithe to go back to our strategic partners. These strategic partners are organizations like Charity Water, who provide clean water to people across the world. Convoy of Hope, which is an organization that uh, gathers food and are ready to respond in times of crisis, such as storms or natural disasters. Then we give to Bonnie Lake Food Bank, who are always there for people who need food, who can't afford it. We also help out with Exodus Housing in Sumner, who provide housing for people or who are in domestic violence situations. So we give 10% of everything that comes in to open life. We give 10% of that back to the community, to our strategic partners. So go along with the, uh, the example, but say Tuesday I get paid in potatoes. I got 10 potatoes right here, and you guess it. I, get, I received 10 for my hard work. So that means I'm going to give one of those potatoes to God. And so the way the open life splits up the other 90% of what comes in goes like this. 10% goes to strategic generosity, which we talked about. 31% goes to operation. 5% goes to ministry. 50% goes to part-time salary, wages, and benefits for pastors. And then uh, 2% goes to reserves and 2% goes to a future fund. And I say all this to show you that we're open with our finances. We want any of you to think that we're misusing the funds that come into open life. Our executive leadership team, which is our board, looks at the money going in and all the money going out to make sure we spend it where we say we're going to spend it. And if you ever have any questions, our pastors are always an email or phone call away to explain it. We don't have any stockholders in our church other than Jesus. And believe me, we work our tails off trying to get him a return, not in money, but in salvations, in people's lives being changed, in people growing closer to him. So going along, we, we now let's imagine we're at Wednesday. And say this day you get paid in oranges. And again, I'm going to give God one back. You know, he gets my 10%, and I'm going to give it to him joyfully. And so I want you to think about, the thing about tithing is that it enables us to dream together about what God is doing in open life. Constantly, we're coming up with ways to reach out to Bonnie Lake, to be present in community. And there are times where we want to go just gung-ho, going crazy for reaching our community for something. But when we look at the books, we look at the finances, we just don't have money to give to that project. Consistent giving of tithes of everyone at Open Life enables us to dream big as a church together and to plan accordingly. You see, when you tithe, when you choose to give that consistent giving of your 10% of your income, you're basically motoring, you're pursuing the mission of Jesus through open life. 
And it's awesome when we're able to do that as a group and to really dream big and imagine about what God can do in this community. When we tithe, we celebrate together for all the ways God has been faithful. And so what about carrots? Thursday, I get paid in those as well. And again, I'm just setting aside one carrot out of the 10 God gave me. And so do you get the theme here? We're always giving the first 10%. Currently, in our budget at Open Life, we have set up to have an income of $7,900 a month. But let's be honest, there are months where the income is much smaller than that, in which decisions have to be made. Where does the money come from? When we only give when we want to or when we feel like we're going to make it, then we limit how God can use Open Life in this community. But when we give from faith in Jesus and have hope in Him, we have the assurance of His Word to test Him. He's waiting to prove Himself to us in the area of our finances. So finally, on Friday, I get a bonus. I get Honeycrisp apples for my work. But once again, I give the first one to God. And you know, thinking about the 10%, I always wonder, why was it 10%? And I think it's just because God knew that we are dumb and we need all the help we need when we're trying to figure it out. Because all we have to do is just move that decimal place one space over or just count to 10 and then give one of those away. So look what we now have. Over in the pile on the one side, I got 45 pieces of fruit. I got 10 items of fruit and vegetables each day. So I had a total of 50, but I gave the first ones each day to God. So over on my pile, I have 45, and I gave 5 to God. The 5, the 10% out of the 50 is not that much. In the moment, maybe it feels like a lot. Maybe giving that one away is hard, especially when you get a nice crop of big apples. But still, you're only giving 10%. So here's some things about tithing that I want you to hold on to. Number one, tithing enables us to trust. Can we trust that God gives us enough? Sometimes I don't think we give God any credit. We think that 50 fruits and vegetables was what I needed, and now I have to give five back, and we're like offended by that, and we only have 45 now. What if God knew you only needed 45 fruits and vegetables, so that is why he gave you 50 50. Imagine if you got paid $50,000 a year and you're worried about giving that 5000 But what if God already knew that you only needed the 45000 to meet your expenses? Listen to these, this verse, Hebrews 13.5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. If you're faithful to God to be obedient and to give joyfully, he will not leave you hanging. He was faithful to give to you in the first place, and I know from experience that he will keep giving as you give to him generously. The second thing tithing does is it enables us to remember. God wanted so much for his people to remember all that he had saved them from. He wanted the tithe to be a reminder every time that they rejoiced together of everything he had given them. When we tithe our finances, we too can use it as a reminder for what God has given us eternal life from Jesus. We're saved from our sin and saved from hell. It also reminds us how far we have come in our finances. Maybe you used to be a slave to money. You never felt content. Maybe, like our country, you felt desperate to get out of a pile of debt. When we tithe the, the full 10%, we are using it as an act to remember that we, there was a time in our lives when we couldn't dream of freely giving away our finances. And now that we're doing it, we can see what God wants to use those finances for. 
The third thing tithing does is it enables us to give generously. If I have you hooked so far thinking that all you have to do is just give 10% and you're all set, there's nothing else you need to do, then you're only part of the way there. Don't get me wrong. If you think that and you act on that, then I believe you're on your way to being generous the way God calls us to. But if I stopped there, I'd be doing a disservice to who Jesus is. It becomes easy after a while to come to God consistently and say, all right, here's your 10, now leave me alone. God is not a loan shark that I have to pay off so that he doesn't break my legs. He's the almighty God who gave his son so that we might have life through him. As I began to hit the stride of giving in my life, I found more and more myself seeing the needs of others. As I was giving consistently, I just began to see poor people in a different mind. I saw kids in Avra who can't drink clean water, and my heart just burns for those needs. And you want to know what that is? It's not the guilt, it's not fear, or it's not pride forcing me to become a hero for these people. It's the transforming power of Jesus working in my heart and in my mind. As you give to Open Life, you're continually giving your tithe to the church to help fund the ministry to Bonnie Lake. And you begin to realize, I have more but there's also more that I can do. Maybe you received a raise, and instead of buying that thing you want, you find ways to give extra to people who, who you see in need. Or maybe you just get really good at budgeting, and you find creative ways to use the 90% to bless others. I don't know, but God uses our, your tithe as a first step towards generosity. Tithing is the first step towards generosity. And so the action steps for today, if you're tithing, I want you to continue to do that. But if you're not, why don't you try starting with the tithe challenge? And it's something that Open Life does all the time, but we're specifically hitting on it in our Shrap series so that you know about it. If you have never tried the spiritual discipline of tithing, we want you to help you in a practical and meaningful way. Maybe you've given before, but never a full tithe. Maybe it's never been consistent, but you're thinking that you want to try it out. So we just want to help you with this. If you write tithe challenge the next time you give on your uh, giving envelope or online, just put a note on there that says tithe challenge. And over the next 90 days from that point, if you commit to give 10% of your income over those 90 days and do it faithfully, but then at the end of it, after those 90 days, you decide that everything we said today was just you know, not true. If you haven't seen God bless you in a meaningful way, then we'll give back what you've given over those 90 days. Now, I know it's not a crock because I've been doing it for 10 years and I've seen God prove himself faithful in my life over and over and over. Now, if you want to commit to tithing but don't feel the need to do the tithe challenge, that's awesome. But we just want to give you every possible incentive today for you to experience the full joy of being in line with God in the area of your finances. The second thing I want you to do is just ask God to grow generosity within your heart. Ask God for you to help you see things that are in the lives of others that you might be able to help them with. Maybe this is food. Maybe this is uh, money, actually. Maybe it's a gift card that you want to bless somebody with. But ask God to open your mind and your heart and your eyes to see the needs of others. So in conclusion, I just want to take time to kind of have God bless this time and to bless those who are making decisions to really come in line and start to find out how they can be generous with their finances. God, thank you for this time, just uh, digging your word and talking about what generosity is to you, how you want us to view our finances. And I just pray that you would stir within people's hearts um, just obedience to you and to your word. And I just ask, God, that you would 
help people to practically do this, whether it's um, setting up a budget to find ways to do this, whether it's just figuring out ways to live off the 90%. That can be a struggle sometimes. So I just pray that you'd bless people as they as they do that, as they make those tough decisions. So I thank you for this. I thank you for just all the ways that you've blessed Open Life and for the things that you have planned and that you're doing through us. I just all this in your mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye.